0: Welcome to another episode of the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. My name is Creek, and today we're talking about the type eight today. And um, you may be wondering why are we jumping to the eight? Well, it's because we wanted to make sure that we have someone on that represents the number to kind of get that je ne sais quoi of that number as they speak. Um, So Mario, you are an
1: eight. This, this is correct, yeah? Uh, the, yes, I, I lead with eight. I do eight. I, you know, whatever people like to say. Yes. You know, with this.
0: Right? Yeah. Great. Um, what's, what's your origin story? Why did you become an eight? Why did you choose eight?
2: <laughs> what did you have with that coffee drink? Well, uh,
1: yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, well, look, you know, I, I looked at all the descriptions of the nine types. And, and I said, why would it? anyone else in their right mind want to be anything <laughs> other than this one, right? Oh, uh, right. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, so, uh, look, I, I, it, it's funny. When I was first introduced to the Enneagram in 94, I did take an assessment. There was an assessment in Riso Hudson's book, Discovering the Enneagram or something. I forget what the title of it was. And I scored as an eight. And I started reading that chapter. And I said, yeah, that's it, right? And... Mm. Uh, Nobody who knows me has ever thought otherwise. Um, you know, there have been- What would have been some, the other guesses? Oof. Oh, I had uh, some some wackadoodle folks in France uh, <laughs> who never met me or anything, analyzed my writings and said that I was a sexual one. And mm. uh, one You've time- You've had two,
2: one, I think, six. Yeah, one, one time one
1: Enneagram teacher floated uh, that I was- uh, a six for about five minutes. Five. Um, you've gotten five as well, right? Uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten, oh, you're kind of five-ish in some ways, which I am. And, well, you know, we'll talk about why as we talk about the
2: eight. You've but, also yeah. got... got know, you're Jose, def-
1: you've known me a long time.
2: Da, you, you've Go also ahead. got... Uh, you're definitely not an eight because your chin is not broad enough or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the other good one. Yeah, yeah. The,
1: uh, you know, the because that. eights invariably have big chins and, uh, <laughs> you, you know...
2: Um, So I've known you for a long time. What were you going to say?
1: Well, you know, have have you ever pressure tested another hypothesis regarding my type? No need. (laughs) Very, very obvious. It's because I've done the work on myself. You know, so (laughs) you know, because usually people say, "Well, you know, I'm this type, but I don't look like it because I've done work on myself." And you know, well, uh, see, I don't, I didn't know
0: you in your
1: younger years.
0: So, I I I think meeting you in person, the, the few times that I have, like there isn't, there's, I think I'm just used to eights being portrayed as just these really huge, like big energy
1: in, in your, your face, face constantly. Bossing everybody and around. And that's not
0: yeah. you. Um,
1: it's not me and, and it's not most eights, right? I mean, you know, it's just like when, you, you know, you're with Maria okay. Jose, You know, every every moment you're not slapped in the face by her oneness, right? I mean, and, and this is what happens with all of us with these enneatypes. The enneatypes are things that express themselves or are most noticeable when we're acting out in some way, right? When we're not at our best and so forth, right? It's easier to see somebody's type when they're under stress. And when they're at their best or when they're, at you know, typically, you know, you see it sometimes and other times you don't. Because they're just being, you know, normal, so to speak, right?
2: Yeah, and I think it uh, also has to do with the subtypes, and most people mm -hmm. in kind of the stereotypical aid is the transmitting aid, not the the navigating aid, aid, as Mario is. Right. And so there's a kind of like more gentleness, or that it's because it's not kind of forcing things, almost physically, but he is in his mind. Forcing things anyway, uh, but mm-hmm. differently.
0: Does does the word gentleness, does that rub against you at all or not? Or is
1: that something no, that is? No. Uh, you know, look, it's something I aspire to. It's, you know, I, I don't get some kick out of, you know, demonstrating my eightness all the time. You know, when I work with eights who are clients and they pride themselves in being an asshole, right? That's my preferred term. Also,
0: fair warning: it's an eight-episode. There's going to be some language in this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're,
1: we're going to earn our explicit rating this time. Yes, um, I always tell them, "Any being an asshole's easy, right? I mean, anybody can be a jerk, and it, And I'm really good at it, you know. I mean, and I used mm. to be really, really good at it, um, but I, you know, but but there's there's no challenge in that. Right. I mean, it's not something I aspire to. I I try to be nice to people, you know. And a lot of times, people will, uh, you know, be surprised. Uh, you know, oh, you're actually nice, and <laughs> well, you know, g- great. Give me an award or something for being a decent yeah. human being once in a while. Mm. So, mm. is that
0: is that frustrating to kind of always be painted in that way?
1: No, uh, it, it it's boring, is mm. what it is. Right. And, you know, and it's understandable, right? I mean, a lot of people... So, so you know, we talked about biases last time. And certainly, eights have a reputation. And a lot of that is because, you know, I, I know a lot of Enneagram teachers who had eight parents. And, you know, they weren't great parents. And so, they carry the wounds of that. Or they were in relationships with eights and, you know, were you know, suffered abuse or whatever it is. And so there's this, you know, that's the takeaway, right? That's my experience of the eight. There are a lot of eights out there who do those things and cause that. And, you know, one of the the problems with being an eight or one of the problems with eightness is that their dysfunction is usually directed outward in some way, Mm. right? Whereas a four or a one, you know, or some of the other types will suffer inwardly, right? Mario Jose talked about last time how, you know, oh, it's a lot worse for the one, right? It's not that way for the eight, right? It's gonna be worse for you, okay? When, you know, when, when I am clear. having my things. <laughs> yeah, let me be clear, right? This, no, it's this gonna hurt you yeah. more than it hurts me. Um, so, so, you know, so, a lot of people carry the scars of that and it becomes the reputation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that proceeds it. And quite frankly, I look at my own life and there are reasons why people flinch sometimes when I you mm. know, go by. I mean, I, you know, I've like to think I've grown, but, you know, I've, I've left my share of bruises out there. Is there a moment or collection of
0: moments that were kind of more of a wake-up call for
1: moving into not always externalizing that pain? Well, let's see. So I I, I I want to be clear that even as a child, I had my nice moments, right? Where, you know, I mean, there, sure. was, there was always <laughs> this element of, you know, and we see this about AIDS, right? You know, I, I remember them seeing them once described as a, you know, a teddy bear inside of a grizzly bear sort of thing, right? So there's both sides of this. And even with the most aggressive hostile hates they they'll have these moments of kindness and gentleness and so forth right it's just this dichotomy of the character so i don't know for me that there was ever a you know a road to damascus moment where i tried to become a different person it was just over time you know realizing that you know, life's easier when you're nice to people okay um mm. You know, one thing does stand out, and again, this wasn't a turning point, but it captured it nicely. One of my all-time favorite movies is Harvey with Jimmy Stewart. It's about the six foot, six-and-a-half-foot-tall invisible rabbit named Harvey that only Jimmy Stewart can okay. see. It's a wonderful movie. It's, it's really an, okay. a, an amazing movie. And um, the Jimmy Stewart character at one point says to somebody, you know, my, my mother told me when I was a kid, uh, you can either be really nice or you can be really smart. It's easier to be nice. So, uh, mm. you know, so I try to do that and know that when that's not working, I always have something else to fall back on if I need it.
2: So, so I was thinking about kind of the logic or the how the apeness manifests. And I think that it's just so limited to think that HR are or angry or pushy or like that all the time. I think that if you leave them alone in their domains and there's no threat, there's no need to push, they will be just like anybody else. And caring and wanting to help other people grow and challenging them. And But it when it comes to defending your kind of boundaries, it's just they start being kind of, or pushy, or fighting, or all of that, mm-hmm. but portraying them as like they're always in that on that mode, I think it's just too limited.
1: So the strategy is striving to feel powerful, right? And power can be interpreted lots of different ways, and sometimes it is uh, when it's being played out in a maladaptive way. It is this need to control others to dominate and so forth, right? When we're under stress, when we're not healthy, it takes the form of domination. But it's really about how do I, how do I be capable? How do I be powerful? How do I get the things done that need to get done around me? Uh, in the last episode, we, uh, I, I made the comment that I always see people in terms of their utility, and the two of you gasped, and there were gasps of horror throughout <laughs> podcast land, I'm sure, yes. as people listened to that. But it really is the first starting point, right? Because that is power, right? How do I use this person? Now, what, I, what has happened as I have grown is that I have learned to find the utility in people who may not feel otherwise be seen as uh, having utility, right? I see almost everybody as having something of value that they can bring to the world, okay? So I'm kinder to people who I might have dismissed otherwise because they weren't useful, right? So I I always tell eights, and I've tried to follow this myself, that the journey of the eight is, you you can think of it in theological terms, right? Step number one is mercy, okay? Um, I should kill you, but I won't. Okay, you deserve punishment, but I won't issue it. Okay, mercy is, you know, the, the the merciful God of the Old Testament, right? I I will not smite thee. Okay, the second step is grace, and grace is the gift undeserved. Okay, you haven't done anything wrong, but you haven't done anything right. But I'm going to be nice to you anyway. All right? So you know, uh, the the cross was God's you know act of grace toward the center, and then the third step is magnanimity right where you've now sort of taken on a feeling of if not real responsibility for the domain right you know whatever that domain is you know the people i care about the people that i work with you know my community and so forth okay so the magnanimous king is the you know kind of the kind ruler and that's the 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 journey that the eight needs to go on and you know once in a while i make a little progress
0: there can you give an example of that progression maybe in like the same scenario like what what is a magnat ma- magnam magnanimous? Mag- magnanimous? magnanimous wow yes magnanimous
1: too many g's in what's the an example of that word.
0: <laughs> what's an example of um an act of magnanimity okay
2: magnanimity <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's <laughs> an example of magnanimity um, and what's the difference between that and, and mercy, like in a practical sense, in an everyday sense?
1: So uh, magnanimity is, involves going out of your way to think big picture and do good to bring about that big picture. So you know the magnum is the is the king right the, the magnus the, the the king okay so it's the top person so the king has this responsibility for the kingdom so i have to look out at the needs for everyone and act, I'm talking about the king here, not Mario, um, to, to, to look at <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who are you trying to fool, Mario? <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's, it's an audio medium, Mario, so people don't see that look on your face, but yeah, well, that's can probably I'm infer it <laughs> from the reaction. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's this looking out and saying, okay, I am responsible for the outcome here whether i literally am or not the eight feels that okay Mm -hmm. and so sometimes because they feel responsible for the outcome they get aggressive right they become hostile they punish the one who interferes with the desired outcome as they move into the mercy phase it's okay you interfered with this and i really should make you pay for it but you know i'm just gonna let it slide i'm gonna move on okay okay grace is again you know the gift so the magnanimity is just seeing everything in the bigger picture and you know taking the chessboard approach to things of okay this needs to happen right the, the, we could say that the mercy piece is i'm not going to gratuitously kill all your pawns before i put you into checkmate
0: yeah so it's it's not so mercy is the first step towards Magnum,
1: I can't say Mag, no magnanimity. Burgers. Yes. Magnanimity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know what? Aft, in post production, just get it right yes. once, and then just cut it in <laughs> just, each time. You know. <laughs> the M word. <laughs> um, yes. Gosh. Yeah. So. So you know, one of the uh, common things that we think about with um, uh, eights, if we look at kind of the traditional Enneagram, Echazo called it ego vengeance, right? Uh, And that vengeance thing comes from a need to equal the playing field, right? Or put me on top, right? So you have bettered me in some way and, you know, done me wrong or whatever it is. And so I am going to get my vengeance on you. Right, That's the, the the fixation of the eight. And I saw, it was funny because I was watching late in life Naranjo say, you know, I've thought a lot about this and I don't think that vengeance is the issue for the eight. And I'm thinking, man, you got that wrong. No, I mean, because that's, you know, mm-hmm. that is the driving force mm-hmm. for eights, okay, in a dysfunctional way. So mercy is the ability to set aside that need for vengeance, right, to say, "Eh, okay, I... I don't need to get my revenge here.
2: Yeah, and, but I would add to that that it's probably a way in which I feel more powerful. I feel more powerful if I can absolutely look at the bigger picture and not take revenge than yes. what I would feel, how I would feel if I took revenge. So it's not like you're just dismissing this need to feel powerful. It's another way, broader, more flexible way of feeling.
1: Smarter, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a smarter, more efficient way. You're you're right. That need to feel powerful never goes away. And so when I hear people tell eights, oh, just be vulnerable. Don't you know? Don't feel like you need to be powerful all the time. I think yeah, that's you're spitting in the wind there, right? Mm -hmm. It's just how can you define more adaptive, functional, healthy ways to feel powerful, like Maria Jose is describing. So, so vengeance is
0: just a distorted form of power. You're trying to affect something in front of you to have, feel like some semblance of control, and vengeance is a way of doing that that, yeah. that feels yeah. powerful.
1: Yeah, and it can be something simple, right? You know, you, you, I'm, I'm in a hurry and, you know, on the highway, and you get ahead of me. Well, I'm going to, you know, I'll show you. I'm going to get ahead of you you know, kind of thing. I mean, that, that can be a form of vengeance. You know, it doesn't need to be some blood oath that I swear, sure, you know, sure. when I dance on your grave sort of thing. Um, it, it's, you know, it's uh, it can be something really simple. If you insult me or if you make a joke at my expense, I can take vengeance by insulting you back, but more so, mm-hmm. you, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it takes little, you know, it takes subtle forms. Yeah. And, and the path for the A is just to let go of that. Somebody makes a joke at your expense, you laugh at it, and you move on. Right. Mm.
0: There's, there's a particular eight that I have in mind that transmitting eight that he occasionally shows mercy, but then like fantasizes of the ways that he could be vengeful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah. And so yeah.
0: I'm just like, I guess at the very least, be merciful. Right. Is that, that's, that's the spectrum there between those two, right? Or yeah, is it like mercy is, you can still have a full, fully adaptive, healthy, showing mercy or is magnanimity, I can mag, say it one more time. Magnin,
1: magnanimity. Magnanimity. No. I think part of it is my nose. No. <laughs> magnanimity. magnanimity. Magna ni, Magnanimity. Magna.
0: Magnanimity.
1: There, there you go. All right. Magnanimity.
0: There yeah. it is. Uh, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I don't remember the question. I'm going to title
1: this episode the one where <laughs> <laughs> where Mag- Creek struggles with. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, so, so let, so let <laughs> me touch on that. So, so this this going from uh, fantasizing about vengeance to you know, from, from acting on vengeance to only fantasizing on it right, can be a gateway, right? I mean, it can be a positive yeah. step, right? Kind of like the methadone of, you know, uh, for, for AIDS, the, uh, the psychological methadone. Uh, so, you know, that often is. But kind of like we talked about with Maria Jose and the one, I still see what's wrong, but I don't act on it, right? I don't feel the need to act on it. And so that, that that process is always going to be there. The aid is always going to go to how could I get you back if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. Okay? So I don't know that that ever really goes away. But hmm. you know, you, you're going to have thoughts like that, but you just want to make sure that your mind is f- more filled with positive thoughts. Maria Jose,
0: what has been what was what's been the biggest learning curve of working with Mario as an aid? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, that you need strength to deal with him and, I, and that's my experience with all, all eight you just need to st- kind of stand your ground and but not so much what type of strength uh, I think it's to be able to say what you think not fight for it enough so that you get hurt and not so much that you get pushed over. Uh, mm. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm maybe exaggerating it. But what I mean is that maybe. you need to, to have a voice that it's firm. It's being firm, I would say, so that you're respected. Mm. But then flexible enough when you see that that's a battle that they really want to fight and they will fight anyway. And... Mm. Unless it's a really big deal and I think, and I see a huge risk, I just let him play with that. You know, (laughs) I just let him do what he wants because it's not, it's like I pick my battles and, and I see the value of releasing that energy for him. It's good for all of us. It's good that he has that energy. And, uh, so that's another learning. He will, and eight in general, push and have this energy or power that moves things forward. And, you, and we want that. So just like there is a gift for every type with eight that energy, many of us around it kind of use it. It's useful. So he uses people and the rest of the people, I think we use eight because it's like the fuel many times.
1: What I am looking for, and I think most eights are looking for from other people, is to just give it your best effort, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we always joke about the um, the scene in The Godfather when Johnny Fontaine is whining about, oh, my career's over and, you know, they won't give me the role, blah, blah, blah. And Marlon Brando grabs him, you know, and shakes him and says, be a man, you know. And uh, and <laughs> and what he's looking for is, you know, try. You know, I mean, just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't expect you to be able to accomplish everything, you know. I will help you, but what I don't want to have to do is carry you. So so the eight's not looking for people to be as tough as they are, okay, as strong as they are, as driven as they are. But I don't want you to be dead weight, okay? I don't want you to be a drag on the system. I want you to try to the, uh, the degree that you're capable of, and then I'll help you from there, right? But if you're just going to sit and whine about it, well, now you're adding your problems to mine, okay? And because I do feel responsible for the people around me, right? Even if they're not asking yeah. me to, I still do. So when you're just whining and, you know, not putting in effort or not standing up for yourself, like Mario Jose said, well, now you're just pissing me off, okay? And mm-hmm. that makes me even more irritated than somebody disagreeing with me.
0: When someone doesn't stand up for themselves, what, why does that piss you off?
1: Because I think it's that issue of adding your problems to mine, right? And again, most dates if they're reasonably healthy, they're there for other people. And it's, it's, you know, I just can't help if somebody comes into my sphere of now feeling like they're under my d- dominion in some way, right? That magnanimity piece is, okay, now I'm responsible for you. And there's a social contract here. I'll take responsibility for you, but you have to do your best. So even my children, right? If they, you know, I don't expect them to be able to do everything, right? But they better try because if they're not trying, now you're adding to my burden, okay? Mm. Uh, and that just irritates me because it stops me from doing other things that I could be doing in right. you know, a positive right. way. The other thing is, I, I, I'll just add to this because it was another element of what marie Jose said. Mm-hmm. You need to stand up for your view because if you can't defend your view, then I don't trust it, right? Um, you know, it's very much a, everything has to be proven, okay? You have to be able to demonstrate mm-hmm. what you're saying, is accurate that it'll work? That it's you know been, that it's valid. So if you come to me and say, "Oh, I think we should do it this way," and I say, "Why?" and you say, "Well, just because I want to," well, no, no, don't waste my time, right? I've already thought through what I'm planning to do, and if you have a better argument, then I'll hear it most of the time. But if you're just going to say, "Well, I you know I haven't done the work, and so I'm not standing up for my point of view." Well, I You know, I just, I don't have time for that.
2: And your view can change tomorrow, but... Mm. It might, sure,
1: sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But at least I'll have a rationale for it. Of course. Right? Might not be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it Might not be a good one, but i I've, you know. I'll stand
2: up for it. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> Often wrong, but never uncertain.
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah. If that's something that... Troubles a lot of people when dealing with AIDS. They're so certain about their views, and then the views change, and they don't feel the need to explain or justify much. And it's just what I want to do today. And it might be valid change, but it it is so kind of they're so passionate or forceful or. Uh, about their views that it's puzzling for other people, that they change their mind, and it happens.
0: So we're moving into the connecting points for point eight. Um, That is the five and the two, striving to feel detached and striving to feel connected. Very opposite connecting points. give Give us a quick overview of those connecting points, Mario.
1: Point two, striving to feel connected is what we call the neglected strategy. And um, we talked before, when we talked about the one, about how there's a, a logical contradiction embedded in this relationship. Meaning that if, uh, if what I'm seeking is to feel powerful, then what I am going to want to do is limit my vulnerabilities in some way. One of the ways of limiting your vulnerabilities is limiting what you care about, who you care about because each person you care about becomes a vulnerability. When I was in college, I took some criminal justice courses and one of them was taught by a former Philadelphia police sergeant, huge guy, he was like 6'6", you know, he's big. And he said, you know, when I was young and first on the force, I was fearless. But then when I got married and started to have kids, I started to realize that now I have vulnerabilities because somebody might go after my family and I have responsibilities to take care of them. And and I get that, right? It's the, you know, whatever t- attachment I have has to be worth it from my perspective. Now, I, and I know this sounds wacko for other people, right? But, you know, again, that's is why there are different types, right? Because different systems of logic. So... Uh, The striving to feel connected is something that the eight looks at with caution, like the one looks at striving to feel excited with caution and says, well, if I do this, I could lose something. So I do it carefully. And there are times when I don't do it when I should. I should have more empathy for people. I should have more sympathy for people. I should show kindness to people. But I don't. Um, So I tend to neglect that. Now again, we all know, and as we've already established, you know, if you're if you're inside the circle with the eight, you know, it's a good place to be, right? Um, they can connect with people. You know, my my wife, my kids love me. You know, I, you know, I love them, and you know, so there's strong connections there. So there's positive aspects of it, and not. I think a lot of eights too have the ability to really make people want to connect with them you know not those people who have you know dysfunctional fears of aids due to bad experiences in the past but there is something about aids that people gravitate toward right that feeling of being looked after and protected and inspired and so forth so so the contradiction because of this rejection of point 2 of this connection is that aids often don't feel like they have people around them who can take care of them when they need it so they can become kind of needy and demanding, because every once in a while it's like, you know, you know, man, you know, I'm 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 doing all this for everybody. What about me, right? So, so you know what? You need to take care of me for a while, and they can become very demanding that way and needy in in that way. Yeah. So eights view themselves as having to make hard decisions about things, right? If I'm responsible for taking care of the things in the world around me. I need to make tough decisions, and sometimes those decisions hurt other people. Sometimes I have to make decisions about what my kids can and can't do, what they can and can't have, and I know they're going to be upset. And if I give in to my feelings every time, then I'm not going to be a good parent. If I'm running a business, I you know may have to lay people off at times. I may have to fire people. And it's for the good of the whole, for the good of the company, but it's going to hurt that person. So one way to deal with the knowledge that somebody's going to be hurt is just to detach emotionally, right? To to shut it out, and so it becomes a support strategy. I feel more powerful when I'm able to detach. So um, now, and sometimes it's good, right? Because you know we have to be able to set our feelings aside. Other times it can lead to a bit of a cruelty right? Because you become less than human to me. You're not a real person. You know, what is one of the things that every, you know, military does when they they go to battle? They dehumanize the other side, right? They come up with nicknames for them, right? Derogative nicknames. And it is a way of dehumanizing the other so that I can kill them, right? I can't kill you if you're a person, but I can kill you if you're, you know, whatever label I stick on you, eights can do the same thing, right? Of dehumanizing people by detaching from them emotionally so they can be harsher on them. (laughs) It's, it's the, it's, it's one of the reasons why eights, eights give nicknames to people or purposefully distort their name in some way. Right? Because I can, you know, if I give you a nickname, I'm controlling you. I'm dominating you.
2: Um, you know, that's how it works. There's something about type A that in their desire to feel powerful, in their desire to uh, move things forward, and this mindset of seeing people as resources uh, that will aid my purpose. And the strength they have, I think it's hard for them to understand how people feel around them. So, So it's hard for them to see that not everyone is like them. I mean, we know, and this is valid for all types, but if they're strong, if they want to hear things as they are, the truth, and they want to challenge themselves, they feel that everyone is like that. So they sometimes exert more energy than people can take and... They demand in a tone that sometimes is very declarative and bossy, um, which helps at times and doesn't help other times. And it's like demanding things from people that some people feel they cannot deliver on, and and that could feel abusive. And which is the blind spot of the eight. It's these requests of people or. And that it's implicit in how they interact at times that people feel like it's more than they can give. And it could be the tone. It could be whatever they're asking. It could be what you said about nicknames that could be kind of not very flattering. Uh, It's different things in the way that they exert this power, which feels... Abusive, And I was going to say a bit abusive, but sometimes it's very abusive, sometimes it's a bit abusive, sometimes it doesn't feel at all like that. But when it happens, I believe that it's because of that. They just don't understand how they come across the impact they have on people.
1: I'll I'll share uh, an example of that. Um, We had put out these little infographics a while ago about the blind spots of each of the types. And I posted... The blind spot of the eight, the abusiveness thing on social media. And it got found its way into some Enneagram forum. And a lot of people were really taking exception to eights being abusive, primarily eights. And mostly it was primarily eight women, and they were all saying, oh, no, I'm not abusive, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I watched the conversation work its way back to all of them admitting, yeah, well, I kind of do that in exactly the ways that Maria Jose is talking hmm. about. I'm not intending to be ab- abusive, but it's the outcome of some of these things that I do of making other people feel abuse, abused.
2: And I tried to be yeah. careful with this. It's what I do, and... The problem is how you feel about it, because I think that that sometimes makes people not take responsibility over it. Oh, I think yeah, that yeah, once yeah. you understand, and I'm not saying that you behave that way, but I want to be careful with it, because it, once you are not blind to it, it's your responsibility to take care of it and, and yeah. not do it, not overdo your strategy in a way that makes people feel abused.
0: My first interactions with certain AIDS. Obviously, I mean, it's, 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 it can be a lot, like you, like you said, Maria Jose, to, to just kind of handle the amount of energy that's coming at you. But I think as, as I kind of got to know uh, my friends who are eights more, it actually became a source of, oh, that's such a foreign way for me to be in the world where it's like leaning forward and assertive and just, what if I didn't care? What if I just did what I wanted to do? Um, And that's been a real it's it's actually been a really great source of like it's taught me how to how to be assertive and how to just what if you just do it and then deal with whatever happens afterwards. It's not always the best thing to do, but it goes against it goes against a lot of what I am, am more patterned to do. So it's just it's often a different outcome and it's often like a fine outcome.
1: You know, that, that's a really interesting point, and I think it is that valuable thing. One of, the me- one of the things I'm always telling my sons is there are no rules in life. There is nobody telling you, you can't be this, you can't be that, you can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, obviously, there are laws and, you know, that sort of thing. but But the world's an open opportunity. Right? You can go where you want. You can go see the world if you want. You can build a business if you want. You can write a book if you want. You can do whatever you want. And the world might stop you. Right, You might fail at what you're trying to achieve. But don't ever lean back and think, oh, I, I can't do that because I just am not supposed to or I'm not allowed to or anything like that. It is that sort of leaning forward into... Opportunity into experience into you know uh, to to sensation in some way that I think mm-hmm. is the takeaway from you know what the eight brings to the world.
0: It's it's never more clear than in, than when I watch eight friends of how much and how deeply they feel and want to have an effect on the world in the way that they feel like is the best way to do that,
1: and that can be. Good and bad, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, even if it's by <laughs> wiping out half of all living species, like Thanos <laughs> in uh, in the Marvel <laughs> right? Movies, right? It's like,
0: no, it's um, the right and thing that's to inspiring. Do to <laughs> yeah. Well, not not Thanos, not Thanos, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think I think if if we look past the the amount of energy and the kind of what can be perceived as bullish nature of of an eight and see it more as inspiration to have an effect on the world I think that's that reframes eightness at least for me in a way that's much more um, enjoyable
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know I when I'm coaching clients who have eight around them and they say oh but he's so demanding or she's so this and and I said look this person is talking to you and it's challenging you, that's because they care. Worry when they're not talking to you. <laughs> you know, that's when you need to worry about it. <laughs> you know, when they are ignoring you, that, that is the worst they can do with, about you. But if they're challenging you, it's a good thing. It's their way to show that they care about you, that they think that you can, that you're capable.
1: That's a really good point. If if the eight is ignoring you, then you then you have a problem. Yeah. Run! <laughs> great. Well, it feels like a great stopping
0: point um, for this episode, uh, listener. Hopefully, you are walking away with with a deeper sense and and not so much fear <laughs> around your eight friends. Um, <laughs> they're just they're just big teddy bears with um, lots of energy uh, <laughs> and really big claws. A really big <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. So long. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awareness to action.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awareness to slash podcast.